1: are you ready let's get it started the nfl draft is now officially open
2: welcome back prospects to pros on the athletic podcast network i'm dane brugler as always uh with lance Zerline here look on today's show We've got our final four in college football. Uh, it's a little bit of a predictable field, but there's some intriguing matchups in there from a scouting perspective that are worth discussing. We'll get into that. But first, Lance, we've got a new number one uh, in the draft order, and it's it kind of threw uh, Jets fans for a loop last night, and really all of us. I think we've been kind of conditioned to think that Trevor Lawrence is going to be uh, in that Gotham green. But you know what? The Jets... They were three losses away from making it happen, and somehow they beat the Rams on Sunday, 23-20. The Rams in the thick of a playoff race. I don't think anybody saw that coming, but now the way the things are shaping up, the Jets are 1-13, tied with the Jaguars, and because the first tiebreaker in the draft order is strength of schedule, the Jaguars are now in the driver's seat for that top pick. And if we do the math, the strength of schedule, it's not going to change substantially the next two weeks. So if the Jaguars lose their final two games, uh, versus Chicago and then at Indianapolis, they own the top pick in the rights to Trevor Lawrence So Lance we know there's no such thing as uh, you know tanking in the NFL there are too many jobs on the line or, or players you know for the, for the players the coaches uh, to purposely throw a game but losing out on the top pick in this draft is substantial and it's not a one quarterback draft but I still think there's a sizable gap between Trevor Lawrence, uh, and the next guys, in uh, the next tier in my mind, not sure how you see it, but if you're a Jets fan, how are you feeling today? Uh, waking up after yesterday's results?
1: Well, I don't feel good. I mean, the bottom line is that was, that's a job that, that one of the reasons that that head coaching position was going to be, um, a coveted position is because not only do you have a couple of first round picks, but you were going to have Trevor Lawrence and, you draft Makai Becton, and so you're starting to see. Okay, we got Denzel Mims. He's done a, a few things here, and the uh, in the seat, like you could start to see light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the Jets' job is one thing with Trevor Lawrence. It's quite another thing with Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Zach Wilson. It's just not the same. I don't think it's the same job. There's no way you can say it is because Trevor Lawrence is has got you know the same amount of hype the most amount of hype about an incoming quarterback since Andrew luck. And I think that, uh, you know, in terms of the total package of all the different skill sets and what he could what he could be. And, and I just think, uh, if you're the jets, you know, I don't know about you, but I really hadn't even, there were not even any contingencies for me in my (laughs) own mind with the Jacksonville Jaguars getting this pick. I mean, I, I certainly didn't see it as a 17 point, Underdog headed into a team that was playing really well with the Rams lately. But that just goes to show you that on any given Sunday is a is a true statement. It has meaning. And now Jacksonville, their last game of the, the season is against a Colts team in Indian, Indianapolis where the Colts are likely going to be battling for, for the playoffs or playoff positioning. Mm-hmm. And so next week's game, when you look at that, the Bears come to town against Jacksonville. And the Bears are seven, seven and a half point favorite right now. I don't think that's necessarily a layup for the Browns. I mean, for the uh, bears, I do mm-hmm. think Jacksonville could end up winning that game. So I don't think this battle's over yet. Uh, well, battle, the battle for the first pick, <laughs> but um, it is really interesting how it could change the fate of which coaches are willing to take a look at the New York jets job. And maybe the same coaches, We'll have a chance to choose between the Jets and the Jaguars. This might completely flip who you're willing to to go interview with and who you're willing to consider as a head coach.
2: Yeah, and, and let's be clear. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is not a sure thing. You know, like that's uh, we're not going to sit here and say like he's going to be uh, for sure a top-flight NFL quarterback. There's just too many unknown variables in the quarterback evaluation, and obviously, a big part of that is where he lands and the coaching and the surrounding cast and all that but when you look at prospects it, Trevor Lawrence to me is as good as it gets with what you're looking for uh, at the college position because uh, i mean he has from a physical perspective He's built for the NFL game. Everything he does is quick. The movements, the, the release, uh, you know, the, the processing. I think from a from the mental side, he sees things quickly and, and he gets the ball up and gone. The intangibles are off the charts. I mean, there's just there's so much to like about him that you're willing to bet it all on Lawrence. And if it doesn't work out, so be it. But you feel you feel good taking that chance. Now, as we kind of flip the page, and if you're the Jets, you have an interesting de- decision to make now because Sam Darnold is not a, just a lost cause. Um, you know he he gives you enough hope that hey there might be something there, and I, I think that Sam Darnold's been put in a situation where he hasn't had the offensive line um, uh, until you know recently with you know, bringing in guys like Mackay Becton and a few others. Receiver has not been a strength of that team, and then of course the coaching has been a mess. So you know, there's still hope that Sam Darnold can be a a quarterback that's going to compete and help you, you know, win in this league. So the the Jets have, you know, Joe Douglas, the general manager, has to sit down and say, okay, what makes more sense for us uh, if we do end up with this number two pick, keeping Sam Darnold and, you know, either looking to trade back uh, in this draft to get, uh, you know, add more picks, add more draft capital, or if they're stuck at number two and they can't trade out of that spot – You draft Penny Sewell uh, or whoever the top wide receiver is on your board and you're helping out uh, that offense. So now that that Jets win happened and there's just a a domino effect of all these different things that we're now going to be talking about that we didn't think we'd be talking about, uh, you know, necessarily 48 hours ago. So it's it's a really interesting dynamic. And I I mean, me personally... I would feel comfortable with Zach Wilson too if I, if, if I did not feel great about Sam Darnold or I felt like he just needed to change the scenery. We need a, fr- new, a fresh start uh, with for the Jets. Uh, I would feel comfortable taking Zach Wilson there, but obviously it, it's a little bit of a step down compared to what you thought with Trevor Lawrence. So it, it doesn't make it, uh, it, it makes it a really interesting uh, thought process.
1: You know, here's the thing. When you take a look at at the jets you're right the domino effect when you really go through this and work through it like you just did you know i had so many like i said there has been no contingency plan in my mind for it hmm. for an alternate first pick and so i hadn't really worked through everything involving the Jets' second pick okay well is zach wilson is fields is you know who how do you have the board stacked are you willing to take that pick and and can you still move sam and what do you move sam darnold for and and are you willing to plug a rookie quarterback into that same situation? And it's, um, I think that, I think it is a really tricky one. It's a no brainer. Sam Darnold versus Trevor Lawrence is a no brainer, right? Sam Darnold versus the field. It's a little different discussion because now you have a left tackle of the future. You do have a potential right tackle, uh, of the future. You have two really good wide receivers, uh, in Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase, who you could consider with that pick. Uh, If you move back, you have pass rushers that you really, I I think there's a lot of really intriguing pass rushers potentially in the first round. The problem is Mm -hmm. they still have, there's still a lot of growth, but they have really high end potential, but they're, they're, you know they're not starting with the polish of uh, Devonte Smith. Devontae Smith could step in and immediately help a team right away. Like yeah. he could be a thousand yard wide receiver as a rookie. He's going to be a lot like Calvin Ridley is. I don't know that he has to have an eight uh, 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 Julio Jones with him, and that would be a lot of help for a young quarterback. There's no question. But I just think this is a. It really is a difficult challenge now for the Jets to figure out how they're going to operate, but they do have first two first-round picks. And then if you're the Jaguars, you know, man, you, I don't like to talk in these terms, but if the Jaguars win and the pick goes back to the Jets, it's really it's really a tough call at pick number two now because I don't see a dead cinch locked number two pick in this draft. I'm just not sure who it is at this stage.
2: Yeah, and let's... Yeah, there's no consensus on these quarterbacks. And quarterback is a position where, okay, we didn't get our top guy. We'll just get the number two quarterback. That's not how it works. You know, It's if you don't get Trevor Lawrence, you don't just move to your second quarterback option. There's It's a lot more complicated than that. So there, there's a lot of variables here. And something that, you know, uh, the story of this draft, I think, in my mind, is going to be quarterbacks two, three, and four. You know, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the top pick, whether that's the Jets or the Jaguars. How quarterbacks two, three, and four, where they come off the board, and how early that will be the storyline of this draft. That's what we're going to be talking about the next four months, five months, and uh, you know what really kind of change, or you know that that that'll be the domino effect that that you know really indicates what all these other teams are going to do based on how these quarterbacks come off the board. So Joe Douglas, I mean, the early returns on his first draft were positive. Uh, you know, you look at you mentioned Becton and Mims. I mean, you have to feel good about the value they got in last year's draft. So if I'm a Jets fan, I'm waking up today and I'm I'm looking at this, trying to look at this glass half full and saying, okay, you know, Joe Douglas, let's trust him to make the right moves here. This is not a one quarterback draft where there's, you know, one quarterback and then there's, you know, nothing else. So, you know, we could still go quarterback, but if we don't go quarterback, there's a really good offensive tackle staring us in the face that, you know, would give us bookend tackles for the next 10 years. And there's a talented wide receiver. Like you mentioned, Devontae Smith, he might not have a super high ceiling, but that's because he's so polished right now that, like you said, he could step in and uh, be an immediate contributor. So yeah, this is a... This is going to be a topic we're talk- we're going to talk about, obviously, uh, the-, the next few months. So there's a lot of meat left on that bone. And we'll, we'll-, we'll see how the next two weeks play out. You know, the draft order is very fluid. All eyes are going to be on Jacksonville now to see if uh, what they do in these final two games. So th- th- the other news from the weekend, uh, college football playoffs. We have our four. And look, it was anticlimactic. With uh, how it came out, it was exactly what we thought. Uh, Alabama at one, Clemson at two, Ohio State at three, Notre Dame at four. Before we get into the matchups, do you think they got it right?
1: No, Texas A&M should have been in. I think Texas a and playing a much different brand of football than where they were when they played Alabama the first time. Um, they are a much more. They are one of the finalists. Notre Dame, Alabama, and Texas A&M are. It was released today the finalists for the Joe Moore Award, which is top offensive lines in college football. I think the Aggies' ability to control the clock. You know, here's the bottom line. Texas A&M beat Florida with their running game. Florida's close loss to Alabama makes A&M's win over Florida uh, that much stronger to me. I think there are arguments you could make against Ohio State, although Ohio State I always knew was going to be in. And I think Notre Dame, you know, their, their winning against Clemson, you know, that was a great win but you were missing your top linebacker and the top quarterback, the top pick of the draft. And then when those guys come back, you get smashed. So yeah. I think, you know, personally, I thought Texas A&M, uh, deserved that ahead of Notre Dame. Um, but I also understand that it was a really close one. It'd be great to have a 16 playoffs. You could stick uh, Cincinnati in there. You could stick a and M in there and you could just, you know, let it roll. But, um, I thought they, I thought they got it wrong. I don't think it's, I don't think it's an egregious mistake, but I thought Texas A and M um, was one of the four best teams at the end of the year. I do want to, I do want to ask you about any thoughts on Alabama, Florida, because Florida showing hmm. that they could score with Alabama, I wasn't shocked by that. Florida's got a really good offense. I came out of that game, you know, really just another hat tip to Najee Harris, how good he is. Devonte Smith, how good he is. You know, I got to tell you, and I know this is not going to be a popular sentiment uh, in the draft world right now. I just think Mac Jones throws to really talented players. I just don't think there's anything special about him. I think he's a third-round type quarterback. I think he's a low-end starter to good backup. My comp on him is A.J. McCarron. I watched all the tape on him. He's accurate. There's some things I like. I don't think he's the toughest guy inside the pocket, but the guy that really impressed me in that game was Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask's Ability to run and get physical yardage kind of told you a little bit about his competitiveness and competitive nature. But I really thought he threw the ball well. I thought he threw some dimes in there against Alabama, exploited, you know, found and exploited weaknesses against uh, Dylan Moses when he was in coverage at different times. I just, I'm starting to come away more and more impressed with Kyle Trask. I kind of built up a, a feeling on him early in the season, but I always try to keep my, you know, keep my filters as clean as possible so I can be open-minded and I got to tell you Dane he's really started to win me over as the season's progressed I think Kyle Trask is who he is he, I think he's a pocket quarterback um and that's kind of a bad word these days unless you're a you know a mobile quarterback and a play extender but Kyle Trask can deliver a nice football and I I think he's really I think that game really helped him
2: yeah, you know, I I, don't, I, I struggle with Trask just because I and I haven't studied
1: him all the way. I will let me just say this: I've written Mac Jones, I have not written Kyle Trask yet, so okay. um, I have not put the tape on and really put the the clean eyeballs on him yet.
2: It's funny because I, this is like a one eighty in this summer. I felt like I was the biggest Kyle Trask supporter because he was my quarterback four behind Lawrence Fields and Lance. He was my top senior in the quarterback four uh, in my summer preview when I broke down just watching all these quarterbacks. I, I, w- I was really, really intrigued with Trask. I thought, okay, this guy, you know, he's a day two pick. Um, you know, he's not being talked about like that, but he's given him another year in this offense. And, you know, I was a big believer in Kyle Trask. And I still, I, I guess nothing has changed for me with Kyle Trask. I, he, to me, he's the same guy that I saw last year. And that's a, Slow-footed, big athlete who has a really good feel for touch, trajectory, timing, does a nice job uh, throwing in between layers of the defense. There's definitely things to like about him as a pocket quarterback, but it's just it's tough in today's NFL because he's just he's even though I love the toughness that he showed, I mean he I don't know why they gave him so many rushes when you know at the goal line okay I can get that you know but I mean there's there are times where he's he was rushing on third down I'm just like that doesn't make any sense to me this guy he can't move like he's not he's not a statue but he's pretty close and I I just I worry about that at the next level when you just you have to be able to incorporate movement into the way you play the game it's just it's hard I mean we've seen guys like you know, Matt Ryan or, you know, obviously Tom Brady with what he's doing right now, uh, you know, or, you know, has done over the years. But those guys were they were able to overcome it because they were above average in other areas where I'm just not sold that Trask is. And that's why I've used the, the, the comp, uh, you know, Mason Rudolph. Yeah, I, I see similar players. And that doesn't sound very friendly. Well, and that's and that's, you know, Mason Rudolph is a guy who people were trying to give him first round love when he was coming out yeah. of uh, it which, you know, that of course neither of us were on that train. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Trask is a guy that I'm eager to see in mobile move around and see the ball come off his hand and just see if that, you know, just changes anything. I, and I'm Mac Jones will have an invite to the senior bowl if he decides to declare. Um honestly, I was really impressed with Mac Jones on Saturday night. Uh because uh Florida in this, and I was impressed with Trask too, because he kept fighting and fighting and fighting. But the more Florida kept fighting, the more Mac Jones just, it didn't, he was unflappable. I mean, he never, he never wilted. And and he
1: made a comment about this, about, basically i'll take the dump downs all day long i don't care you can rush however you want i will and that's something i really respected because i do get a a poor man's joe burrow vibe off of him Mm -hmm. um the way he moves around he's got some athleticism uh his accuracy he doesn't he doesn't feel very flappable as you mentioned he takes what's there and doesn't you know, try to do too much. He doesn't play a lot of hero ball. Like I, I get a great vibe from him. I just think that he's going to be very dependent upon who the talent is around him. Um, yeah, but that's fair to that's your fair. point. He was really like, okay, well, and how about Sark? How about the game? Sark oh, called in yeah. the plays he de- designed, I mean, just some unbelievable X's and O's stuff in there.
2: And and that's why it makes the Mac Jones evaluation. So, so tough because it's not just Najee Harris and the offensive line and the receivers that he's throwing to. It's the play calling. I mean, they they have done a masterful job. And uh, I mean, Sark's going to, if he's not a head coach this upcoming offseason, it's 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 coming. Uh, it's not going to take very long. So, uh, which I, I, I didn't think would happen after he left the, that USC job, but credit to him because uh, he's doing a really, really nice job for that offense. And that That Mac Jones uh, evaluation, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to figure out. Okay, what's his ceiling? And and I don't think you're wrong to say that he's gonna need talent around him to succeed. He's not a guy that is just gonna put the the team on his back and 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 will the team down the field. And that's just not. But he's he understands. He just all he does is execute. He knows where to go with the football. He he finds the void. He doesn't get rattled. And you know, poor man's Joe Burrow. That that makes a ton. Uh, of sense and so okay let's let's uh, spin it towards this uh, this semifinal game we've got Alabama and Notre Dame one versus four uh, the Tide <laughs> no surprise they're the largest favorite in a college football playoff game in in, in history uh, since the college football playoff started uh, they're opening at a twenty point favorite so the last time these two teams met it was not very close Alabama demolished Notre Dame in the BCS national title game a few years ago. I think this Irish team is better than that one. You know, Ian Books better than Everett Golson. Uh, they're better weapons on this team, and the same thing on defense. You know, they, that, that defense had Manti Te'o, but you know this this, this group's uh, a lot better at every level. Uh, better defensive line. Uh, you know, Koromoa, what he's doing at linebacker, and then in the secondary. Um, but with Alabama, you could also say that this Alabama team is a lot better than that Alabama team. Uh, Devonte Smith, you kind of, uh, alluded to, he's now the favorite to win the Heisman. Uh, Mac Jones, all he does is execute the rest of this team. It, uh, Landon Dickerson sounds like he's probably not going to be able to be healthy, which is just a, a total killer. Uh, a big to this loss. Team. Oh, it's a huge loss. It's, it's a big loss. We've both talked about how much we enjoy his game uh, on this podcast. And that's not to get too far off uh, pace here. But the biggest killer about Lane and Dickerson being hurt is that was at Florida State, his first three years, he couldn't stay healthy. That was the biggest thing. When he was on the field, Florida State looked like they actually had something on the offensive line, but he just couldn't stay on the field. He transfers to Alabama before last season, started like 24 straight games and durability all of a sudden, not a worry. And then this happens, uh, left knee injury. And it just that's just a, a total bummer for him. And just, we, we don't have exact details yet, but it looked pretty serious. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get
0: a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
2: Spinning it to this game, uh, if you're going to look at this Notre Dame team, I don't think either of us expect them to uh, win or maybe even keep it close, but if if they're going to have a shot in this game, what's it come down to for the Irish?
1: Well, it has to, it has to come down to how Liam Eikenberg and that offensive line plays. I, you know, this is a team that, as I mentioned, they've got Williams is one of the toughest running backs that I've ever seen in my life in pass protection. He's also a tough runner. And I think when you, when you combine, so you've got a, um, you've got three offensive linemen that's going to, that are going to be drafted this year, uh, from Notre Dame, uh, more than likely. And yep. so I think controlling the pace of the game is extremely important for Notre Dame. I think they have to play this like Texas A&M would, which is pound the ball, uh, slow the clock down, slow the game down. you got to really shorten the game and you've got to take control with your offensive line and you gotta, you gotta get back to being that physical unit that stands up and punches a bully in the mouth. And then, you know, when the time's right, hit play action over the top, um, uh, But mix and match the pass game and run game. But I think if you lose control up front, if you do not control this game with your offensive line, you're going to get slaughtered. And and I think that's the big concern. Now, do they have the talent to do it? Yes. But I think the real key is going to be how does the Notre Dame um, offensive line handle the front of – Florida, we know, I mean, the front of Alabama, we know Florida didn't run the ball, but they didn't really try to run the ball uh, that much against Alabama. This is a different unit. It's a different team. I do think they can run the ball a little bit against Alabama. They may have to work backwards by throwing first and then going to the running game after they backed uh, Alabama up. Because I can tell you now, if I'm Alabama, I'm crowding as much as I can and saying, you got to beat us through the area and book. We're not going to let you beat us on the ground. So there will be a cat-and-mouse game going on in terms of forcing the other team to do what you want them to do from a personnel standpoint, uh, from a positioning standpoint. So I think that's going to be the real key. And the other thing is, look, I think all you can do against Alabama is, is try to play Bim, but don't break. You can't give up to 65 yarders to, to Michi or, or Devontae Smith. You can't, if you're going to let somebody beat you, you can't, you can't give up those big catches for, um, uh, a player who's very adept at running routes. I mean, Najee Harris, every game looks more and more like Josh Jacobs in terms of his overall impact on the game.
2: Yeah, he does. I mean, you know, and, and, I almost tweeted this, but I didn't want to get – I'm sure the blowback would have been something. But with the way he was playing uh, on Saturday night against Florida, he was giving me Arian Foster's uh, vibes just with the way he was a big man who can move like that and mm-hmm. catching the ball well out of the backfield. Uh, I mean, that, that's that's the kind of vibe I was getting from him. And that's if you're Notre Dame, you have got to – because we saw Dylan Moses struggle a little bit in coverage uh, against that Florida offense. That Florida offense – Loves to throw their uh, backs out of the backfield and obviously throw to Kyle Pitts. If you're Notre Dame, you need to do the same, uh, have the same formula where you're going to throw to Tommy Trumbull and uh, you know try to get those matchups with the linebacker and let Ian Book use his legs so he can extend the pocket and you know, pick up those second chance throws. So there's probably nothing that we can say that's gonna make Notre Dame's fans feel uh <laughs> any better about this game because this is there's a 20 point uh point spread for a reason but there, there's still some interesting uh prospect matchups uh in, in this one with you know that Notre Dame offensive line that's gonna be fun to watch Eichenberg, has uh you know, he's been solid uh did you finish your evaluation on him on Eichenberg? yeah
1: yeah I was just okay with him yeah I, I didn't I, you know I st- didn't love starter him, I, starter I, quality yeah, I think he's uh, average starter type quality. Yeah, uh, what that, I that's thought. I gave him. A, I think I gave him a sixty-two. It's uh, not. Th- I didn't get too excited. I th- there's some holes in his game for sure. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, uh, especially in pass pro, I think he's a much better run blocker than pass protector. So yeah, I've got some. Listen, I know there's a lot of excitement. You'll see his name popping up first. You'll see Sam Cosme's name popping up first and stuff like that. I I think I think the draft community is going to be a little more. Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of changes in what's out there now versus what will be out there. I watched Christian Darisal super talented, lazy with his feet doesn't finish blocks, but he has the ability to do pretty much anything he wants. Like he has yeah. tremendous um, athleticism and potential, just kind of a low burn player that you want to see play with better urgency. But I mean, he is a no doubt talent in my mind um, in terms of what he can do potentially be i think uh tevin jenkins is really talented and a physical guy is probably going to be a guard but i think you know i think he deserves some some conversation in the first round Landon dickerson Mm -hmm. conversations in the first round um i think people are a little low on spencer brown for northern iowa didn't play this year i know he's from a smaller school but um rare physical traits and athleticism so i think it's i think it's going to be an interesting season with people pushing up certain players because they've heard their names so much, but I'm not sure how that's going to actually end up working out because I can tell you this, the teams I talked to aren't as high on some of the names that I see uh, people throwing in first round mock drafts and top fives of positions. Uh, They're not as high on some of those guys, as the general public might think.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I just, you know, last week on the pod, we talked about my positional rankings and I got a lot of feedback on, on Twitter. Like, why is Sam Cosby not in your top five tackles? Why is Eichenberg not in your top five tackles? Yeah. and yeah, they're good players. I mean, they're not bad players. They're you know don't dislike them. It's just there are certain things that, or uh, kind of make them ordinary prospects when you compare. Hey, we them we, to- we took the same
1: crap when Curtis Weaver was not Where's Curtis <laughs> Weaver? Well, you'll yeah. find out. Just give it yeah. some time. I know you've heard his name a lot early in the draft process. So you. You're kind of locked in on them, but the tape does not match that. And I can tell you now, Elijah Tucker, Elijah Vera Tucker will be drafted ahead of Cosme and Eichenberg. So, I oh, mean, yeah. get ready yeah. to yeah. hear that. And and yeah. maybe at a tackle, despite only playing one year there at
2: USC. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel very good about Sewell, Slater, Derisaw, top my top three tackles. And then yeah. I, mean, I got Derisaw. Slater's
1: fantastic also. But yeah. how do you handle this, okay? So you got – I don't know how tall Darius is going to be. He's listed at 6'5". He's mm-hmm. kind of low He's low cut, so he's not a long-leg guy, which makes him look shorter, but that's actually a good thing for a tackle is to be low cut because you have better center of gravity and better balance, and you can see that when he plays. Um, I'm, I am curious to see what his actual measurements are. It wouldn't shock me if he ended up a shade below 6'5". Mm-hmm. Uh, Rashawn Slater, we know, is going to have sub-33-inch arms. Yep. Vera Tucker is going to be 6'4". Um, and he may be playing tackle
2: um uh, th- Te- there's just Tevin some... Jenkins has under 33 inch arms. Steven
1: Jenkins yeah and, and you know there's questions I, I just think it's an interesting year for for tackles because I see some skill level but they don't match up with the typical physical dimensions that teams covet from an early round tackle that's what that's what makes me wonder how the play on tape is going is going to be countered by, traits and mm-hmm. teams who covet and and have very little um you know and and don't make a lot of exception for certain traits at that position.
2: Yeah, I mean last year you and I felt really good about the tackle class and Jedrick Wills and Tristan Wirfs and uh, Andrew Thomas was the first tackle drafted. So it's just, you know, it, it's you never know uh how teams are going to view some of these guys that have the traits but Maybe there's something missing, and maybe that's something that gives them the edge over another player. And so it's this tackle glass is, is a, it's going to be a lot of fun to uh, debate and try and figure them out. Does it anything change after the Senior Bowl? I mean, you, you mentioned Spencer Brown. I I'm not quite as high on him as you, just because I do worry about some of the strength issues. And mm-hmm. I mean, once he gets into an NFL strength and conditioning program, and you know uh, continues to develop, that that should change. I just, I'm not sold on it changing enough that, you know, he's going to be, uh you know, an, uh, a B plus to A starter in the league. He's always going to be
1: tall. And that center of gravity yeah. is a concern. Like you really right. have to be a bender. And, you know, what's funny is weight room strength. He's got some phenomenal numbers as, as, like he is a strong guy. But when you're very tall and he's a legit six, seven, um, there are just certain issues from a leverage standpoint that, really are i think he's got to add and he's added a hundred pounds since Mm -hmm. he was a senior in high school so the question now becomes okay well how much more functional mass can a guy add
2: well and then that's my question because weight room numbers are great but on the field i just didn't see that consistent power with him and so that does make me question okay it's not like he's not been in the weight room uh you know working out but I mean, there are obviously things that he can tweak with his leverage and, you know, different things with his body composition and the biomechanics to get more strength out of that frame. He's he's going to be an interesting one for sure that, uh, you know, could see some movement uh, in the rankings. OK, I do want to touch on Clemson, Ohio State here. It's a rematch of last year's playoff semifinals. I thought the Buckeyes uh, outplayed the Tigers last year. A uh, few unlucky breaks, that fumble. That they reversed, the receiver stemming the wrong way, which led to the game-sealing interception for Justin Fields. I, it it might have been Ohio State that went to the title game and, and got beaten down by Joe Burrow and LSU uh, instead right. of Clemson. But this year, I think it's kind of the opposite. I, I felt like uh, even though Ohio State was a better team last year, uh, this year, Clemson, uh, clearly the better team. The offense is clicking with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the Buckeyes just they don't have the dudes on defense to slow them down. So... If Ohio State is going to win this game, it's going to come down to Justin Fields, Ryan Day outscoring them, and it's going to be a high point game, a high point affair. So Chris Olave is he back? That's going to be a big factor. We saw how much his absence was felt uh, against Northwestern uh, on Saturday. Uh, they need him. I mean, the emergence of Trey Sermon, who you know, the first four games this year, wow. did, he did Whoa. not Whoa. look wow. like what the do same we do guy. Now,
1: now, what yeah. do I do? I I'm <laughs> not going to change. Like what I see is what I see. But now i got to wait for that tape to get in. And I know he was running through some big holes, but that's still 300. Like, okay, that looked more like the guy I saw at Oklahoma. Yeah. The guy I saw at Ohio State, I didn't like him at all. The yeah. guy I saw at Oklahoma, I liked. All of a sudden, like, wait a minute. That's o- that's Oklahoma Trace. Hey, by God, that's Oklahoma Trace, Irvin's theme music. And I felt like I was watching <laughs> wrestling as he was coming down the ramp to run for 300. I was like, yeah.
2: wow, that –
1: and you even texted me during the game like, "Well, we may have to revisit this 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 scouting report."
2: Yeah, well, and in the last cuz you went over 100 last week against Michigan State and so it's back-to-back games now and this is where the pandemic really, you know, for a transfer, a grad transfer who didn't have as many practice reps uh, was coming off an injury uh, in the offseason. And you wonder how much, you know, with the playbook. And, uh, you know, they were giving a lot of reps to uh, Master Teague in that offense. And so, you know, later in the season, he's starting to show his true colors. And that, that that's uh, something that certainly matters. So, yeah, Trey Sermon, he's going to be a factor in this game. And that's got to be encouraging for Ohio State fans. But, again, my, my biggest concern with this matchup is just what is Ohio State going to do to slow down uh, Trevor Lawrence in that offense? Because, uh, I mean, they can beat you in so many ways with Travis Etienne in that backfield. Um, And I mentioned this during, I tweeted this out during the the Clemson game, but Amari Rogers, uh, the Clemson wide receiver, does not get enough love. You know, when talking about his draft prospects, I would not be surprised at all if he is one of the first 10 receivers drafted, which I, I have not heard anybody say or even come close to that. But this guy could sneak into you know top seventy five. Uh, just you know what you're getting with him. He's you know he's an underneath target, but he can also beat you uh, deep. Uh, the play strength uh, is outstanding. Like when I'm watching him on film, I feel like my clicker has a rumble pack on it because you feel yeah. his play strength. All right, you yeah. feel it out there. He, he's got that Debo Samuel body to him as a receiver, and he plays with that strength. So it's uh, really encouraged by him. And I, Sean Wade has. Continues to struggle as an outside corner. Um, more of that against Northwestern. The safety play has been up and down for Ohio State. Baron Browning, hopefully the Ohio State has him back. Uh, you know, he, uh, has the athleticism and, and uh, the traits to kind of, uh, at least give Ohio State's defense a shot. They don't, they're missing that Chase Young or that difference maker on the defensive line who could just take over. Tyreek Smith has his moments. So Ohio State needs to be at their best to come away with the upset here, but, I I don't know. Do you you see it similar See it different?
1: I see it similar. And I think this is a great opportunity for Justin Fields to kind of, you know, he's lost some momentum from a draft standpoint. And I think this is a chance to get some of that momentum back. I think it's a really big chance for, you know, really a few guys. I think, uh, Thayer and Wyatt Davis along the offensive line. It's, it's, it's big for them. And, 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 and the real key clearly is going to be stopping that offense and slowing that offense down. Um, I think it, it's going to be tough, but I, I do give Ohio State a chance, and here's why: you, you referenced it. They played Clemson really well. If a wide receiver doesn't stop his route, um, Justin Fields may have ended up winning that game against yeah. Clemson, and they may have played in the national championship game. And so, I think you know, does Trace Sermon have more? Uh, does he have the, the Teague Sermon combination? Does Sermon have his juice back now? Does he does he have his confidence back? Is this going to be uh, a team that can open up? Look. Notre Dame had trouble with the front of Clemson, and Notre Dame's going to be a a Joe Moore Award finalist. And so now you got an Ohio State offensive line that's a little more inconsistent. Yeah, I mean, they opened up holes against Northwestern, but this is going to be a whole different ballgame. So um, I do think that – I don't think Fields can just carry the day on his own. Um, That's that's not going to be the case. And Trevor Lawrence and, and Clemson, let's face it. Their players, and especially their quarterback, so many high-leverage games. This is no big deal to them. They've played in so many – Fields has too, but Trevor Lawrence has played in even bigger games and even more of them. So, And I would count the game against Notre Dame as a high-leverage game where I don't count a game against Northwestern as a high-leverage performance for Ohio State. And it wasn't a very impressive game, frankly, other than for uh, Trey Sermon. So I do make Clemson the strong favorite in this one, but I wouldn't sleep in Ohio State. They – I think they believe they can win this game. I think they believe they can play there, and I've seen Justin Fields step up and and play a really good game in a game that I thought he was going to be overmatched last year. That wasn't the case. I thought he stepped up and played well there, and uh, and I think he's capable of doing it again. And let's remember, their wide receivers will all probably be healthy in the next matchup, which is also you know was was a big concern in the last game, not having you know you weren't you weren't at you weren't at full uh, health. For the Mm -hmm. game against Northwestern. So um, yeah, Clemson's Clemson's going to be the clear favorite, but I think the fields versus Lawrence matchup is going to be an exciting one to to watch.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And that, that this is a chance for fields to kind of change the narrative a little bit because uh, you know, I, I, I'll admit I was, I was really starting to become a believer in fields when, you know, after the first few games and the way he was playing And then against the two toughest defenses on the schedule, Indiana and Northwestern, he just, he looked lost more times than not, where if, you know, that, that first read wasn't there, it's just like, okay, you know, what's your plan B, C, and D? You know, what, what, what is your escape plan here? And he didn't have one. And so you have to have an answer uh, as a quarterback. And, you know, when, when, we, uh, when, I, well, when I initially uh, scouted Fields over the summer, I, I came away saying, wow, I'm more impressed with Ryan Day than Justin Fields. And that comes back now where I think Ryan Day has done such a great job with that offense that when uh, Justin Fields finds himself uh, in a position where, okay, the receiver's not open or that Reed's not there or the defense is taking it away or the blitz is coming... He doesn't have enough answers to uh, help with the conflict. And that's where it's, uh, you know, to be an NFL quarterback, to be a top flight NFL quarterback prospect. You have to have some of those answers, and this is a chance for him to change the narrative and show that, hey, you know, it's I can. It's not just me using my legs; it's me being able to find the outlet. It's being able to uh, understand what the defense is doing, and you know, efficiently go uh, from one to two to three, use the whole field, and find the best receiver. Uh, So it's this is a big opportunity for Fields because I mean I don't think he would ever go back to school. But if he has another clunker in this game, he should, he should really consider it uh, in terms of just becoming a better quarterback for uh, the long-term.
1: Yeah, you know, it's not the craziest thing in the world, to no. be honest. Um, you could look from an earning potential standpoint. You start the clock right away if you come out. But, but in terms of who you're going to be as a quarterback and your long-term legacy and your potential to be a better earner and to have more success – I think that that extra year is a big deal, and I think it is worth consideration. I, t- you know, if I had to guess, I'd say Fields comes out, but I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to get three years under your belt. And 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 look, if if he goes out and plays poorly, or let's just say below average, because I don't think he'll play poorly, but but if he played below average against Clemson, all of a sudden now, people can start saying, okay, wait a minute, now is this like with Haskins where the system is. Mm-hmm is producing the talent what i mean is producing the quarterback or is the quarterback elevating the system and you don't you want to stay away from being lumped into system 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 because then people have their doubts on you so um yeah this is a big game in 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 many it's not as big a game for trevor lawrence from a draft standpoint that's that. We already know what's happening there, but for Justin Fields, it's huge. It really is because he really has lost momentum. And even if it's just perceived momentum, because you had him kind of what you thought pegged in the summer and, you know, you had Zach Wilson ahead of him and and you're the first person that I saw do that from a public standpoint. And I think that's going to be the case more and more often now as people get through the tape. So he needs some good tape to kind of right the ship. He's got better size. Uh, then, then Zach Wilson, he's got good size and, you know, he's played in some big games and he's, and he's come through in some big games. He needs to do it again here
2: yep no question yeah, hopefully it's just going to be fun uh, to watch these playoff games hopefully we don't have two blowouts so you know whoever comes out on top hopefully two competitive games it uh, should be fun January 1st then we'll have our, our national title uh, the two teams duking out for the for national title so alright well that's going to do it for us this week uh, Prospects Pros Merry Christmas to everybody out there happy holidays please uh, as always subscribe, rate, and comment and we will talk to you next time